0: That's what Bitcoin has really done for me. Like, I'm not so much an advocate where I'm saying, everyone buy Bitcoin, like, you know, put everything into Bitcoin. No, for me, it's like there's something wrong with the system that we're in. Your yeah. money is being devalued, it's yeah. um, controlled by a small amount of people. And you should take control of your financial future, learn about it, learn what the economic system in our country is, learn what money printing is, learn what Keynesian economics versus Austrian economics is, and then maybe you will find incentive to put your money in something that is trying to be sound, hard money that's not easily corrupted. So that's what I'm super passionate about. That's what Bitcoin's done for me.
1: Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Hey there, it's Michelle Lamoureux and welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Joining us today is Natalie Brunel. She's a Polish-American television news personality, investigative journalist, podcast host and educator. As of 2020 she is senior correspondent and, and investigative reporter for Spectrum News one in LA as well as adjunct instructor at the USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. She hosts two podcasts highlighting origin and success stories. One is called Coin Stories, which is all about Bitcoin, which is what we're going to talk about today and her other show is called Career Stories. Welcome Natalie.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. I'm excited to chat with you.
1: I'm excited. We launched our shows at the same time, so it's kind of fun that we're connecting now. When I saw that you were doing Bitcoin, I'm like, oh, this is great. I wanted to get an expert or somebody who can really educate my audience and me about what Bitcoin is all about. So you've dive deep into the subject.
0: <laughs> I did, but I would not call myself an expert. And I think that's an advantage, right? Because I'm I'm not someone with a deep financial background. I'm not a former hedge fund manager like so many people in this space. I am a journalist by trade. Um, and I'm someone who had more of a fundamental, just basic knowledge of the economy when I got into this. And uh, Bitcoin has really changed my perspective on my finances and sort of taking, uh, taking the reins on financial freedom. So I think it's a good thing I'm not a full-on expert.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. And we're going to just preface, preface this interview by saying this is not financial advice at all. This is just for educational and entertainment purposes. It's a podcast. So this for is, sure. Yeah. Okay. So what got you into Bitcoin?
0: So the first time that I heard about Bitcoin was in 2017. I was living in Sacramento at the time, and my boyfriend was living in San Francisco. Uh, so he was very involved uh, with people in Silicon Valley and the tech space. And one of his close friends worked for Coinbase. So at one point, I just remember he started talking about um, this thing called Bitcoin. And I thought, what is Bitcoin? Um, And I didn't really understand it at the time. And there weren't a lot of resources the way that there are today. This was back in, like I said, 2016, 2017. Uh, But I decided to just kind of on a whim, I learned a little bit about it. Uh, It was Internet funny money to me, at, at the, but it was a potential investment. So I started to buy just a little bit. Um, and I really, truly wish that I had gone down the rabbit hole back then because, you know, obviously with the price, <laughs> it would be very profitable. But, you know, I just kind of dipped my toes in and I was super, super curious about it. And I ended up even uh, doing a story about it for the NBC affiliate that I worked for at the time. I did a story about how there was like a, a Bitcoin ATM at a local Sacramento suburb mall. Um, And so I, you know, I, I didn't realize how much there was to Bitcoin and the technology behind it, the blockchain, but I was, I just became curious and I'm really glad that I, I made a purchase. I, I
1: started to save in Bitcoin back then. You did as far as back as 2017. Yes. So you were ahead of a lot of people. When did Bitcoin launch? Do you know the year it started?
0: Yeah, so it was actually born out of the financial crisis in 2009. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto is the pseudonym for whoever invented Bitcoin. We don't know if it's a he or a she or a group. Um, And they decided to create this digital cash, a peer-to-peer system for transactions that is completely decentralized. So there's no third party in the way that we're used to having, you know, Visa or a bank that we go to. The transactions are essentially validated uh, by other peers on the network, and so this was born in two thousand nine at the height of the financial crisis, and it's been around now for you know twelve years. And Mm. back then, it was worth absolutely nothing. Uh, And I think two thousand eleven, it was a dollar. And today, obviously, it's very volatile. But we're sitting at I think it's back over forty thousand dollars.
1: Okay, but per what is it called per Bitcoin? Like, is it the can you? Compare it to a stock, for example. Can you can you just help us explain a little bit more? Because I still find it very confusing. And I remember when it launched and thinking, why would anyone use this? This is never going to take off. I don't understand it, and I still don't understand it. And here we are, twelve years later. And now you're saying it's worth forty thousand
0: mm-hmm.
1: for one Bitcoin.
0: That's right. Yeah. So you can own a whole Bitcoin or you can own a portion of a Bitcoin. And I think that's one of the great things about this technology is it's infinitely divisible. So uh, the creator Satoshi Nakamoto, um, the monetary policy was established so that there would only ever be 21 million Bitcoins. Um, As of right now, I think there are maybe 18 or 19 million in circulation. And so it's a finite money supply. He essentially created digital scarcity for the very first time, which is a concept that's kind of out of this world and, um, and, and is a truly convincing argument for Bitcoin in my opinion. But yeah, you can essentially go onto uh, an exchange like a lot of people know Coinbase, but there's so many others, there's Gemini, there's Kraken, there's um, FTX, there's OKCoin, and you can buy a portion of a Bitcoin. So some people refer to this as stacking sats. So Wait, wait, stacking
1: um, what? What's the word?
0: Stacking sats, which means- S-A-T-S? S-A-T-S? S-A-T-S. So it stands for satoshi, sats, oh. satoshis. Um, so one Bitcoin can be divided into- 100 million satoshis or sats. So you can, um, you can sack sats, you can buy just portions, just small, you know, fractions of a Bitcoin. And, you know, it's funny, because now that Bitcoin has such a high price, a lot of people think it's just too late, you know, it's too late, because how can I purchase $40,000 worth of one thing. Um, and so there are a lot of advocates for Bitcoin who would like the exchanges to start accounting Bitcoin in Satoshi's because it's probably nicer to log into your account and you know, see like 100 million SATs as opposed to you know, 0.05 of a Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, so, so there are going to only be 21 million bitcoins ever minted, so to speak, um, all digital and those are infinitely divisible into satoshis or sats.
1: Okay. It's still so confusing to me. Okay. I know it's not for you. And so, (laughs) so here, let me just ask a little bit more. First of all, I think it's kind of unusual that whoever created this new form of currency is anonymous. Does that, did that ever give you pause? Do you ever think, well, why not just come forward? Like, who is it? Is it the Winklevoss brothers? Like, I just wonder about that. Cause they're so big into this, like who's who started it. And the fact that we don't know, does that, does that concern you at all? Or it did do- it, it? Yeah.
0: It doesn't concern me because the really kind of the biggest element of Bitcoin that makes it so unique and special in terms of a form of money is that it's decentralized, right? So there's no authority over it. There's no government that's controlling how much is in circulation. Um, It's truly decentralized and it is strengthened by the network. So, if there was someone, you know, who, it doesn't matter who Satoshi is really, because he has no control over it. He has no power over it. And I think that in the world that we live in today, where, you know, we have people going to prison for creating something that some view as being against the government, you know, I think he did it to protect himself or herself or, you know, the group themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, I mean, there are people out there who, uh, you know, believe that it could be the CIA that created it, which would be kind of kooky and crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't—it doesn't bother me because it truly is such a genius invention, and there are so many governments out there that are against the idea of Bitcoin taking over as a reserve currency. Why are they against it? Because it would, you know, essentially remove power from them. It would return power to to people who are essentially sovereign under Bitcoin because they are in charge of their own finances and financial freedom. And so I think that it it makes sense that someone would want to be anonymous who created this. Plus, it's said that he has maybe 1 million Bitcoins, so he might be the richest person on the planet. Uh, so but does that, it can
1: oh go ahead please
0: no that, that might be another reason to stay anonymous cuz you you know you probably
1: control a lot of wealth <laughs> yes but you don't pay taxes on it
0: so if you cash out of bitcoin from one of these exchanges you do you pay capital gains it's taxed differently um, it's kind of a form of property in a sense so you're returning um, property rights to people who purchase bitcoin uh, but i mean it, in terms of taxes. I don't, I don't know what, what they're paying if they are, but, uh, but if I were to remove a portion of my Bitcoin from the exchange and I were to transfer it to us dollars, I would be paying capital gains taxes on my interest that I made.
1: Okay. And so you can convert it to cash because that's what I wanted to know. And how, what are these, where do you do that? You mentioned an ATM machine. So, but it's not usually get ATM machines. Is it like, how would you get money out if you wanted to today?
0: So if I wanted to, um, there are ATMs that are popping up, but no, I just use my exchange the way that I would use a bank and you can freely transition from U.S. dollars to Bitcoin back to U.S. dollars. Um, the value that you're going to get is just constantly changing because obviously Bitcoin is going up and down in value. Uh, so, but I mean, really think of the exchanges as a bank. They're not regulated, however. So, you know, you put your money into Wells Fargo right now, it's regulated by the SEC. Um, it's FDIC insured for a certain amount right now. These exchanges are not, that's a, that's an area that I think is going to change over the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, it's essentially, you, know, you go in, let's say you open up a Coinbase account, you put in $100 from your bank account, that transfers into a certain amount of a fraction of a Bitcoin. And now you can freely either keep that, you can store that um, off of your computer, you can remove it off the exchange and put it on something called a, a cold storage wallet to be more safe and safe custody it. Or you can freely exchange it back and forth. You can buy some other you know, altcoins, which I don't recommend. You can um, you know, leave it in the account. You can transfer it back to US dollars. It's, it's actually pretty easy and quick.
1: It is. Okay. So let's say somebody's like, oh, this sounds interesting. Where would they go to buy either a portion, obviously, or if they could afford, what is it? $44,000 for one?
0: It's like $40,000 40, for one, right? So now. let's
1: say they wanted to buy a portion of a Bitcoin. Where would somebody do that?
0: Yeah, so there are a lot of exchanges. The most, I would say, the most popular or the the most well known is called Coinbase. Um, okay. That's the one I first heard about uh, Bitcoin because my my boyfriend knew someone who worked at Coinbase. Okay, um, so that's one. That's the one that actually I think Elon Musk has purchased on, and some of the hey. really you know big investors have gone in and they have business accounts, these pro accounts, and they buy it. But essentially, yeah, you create. What's the equivalent of a bank account on an exchange? Um, and you can Google all these different crypto exchanges. I would be very careful. You know, I'd pick one that's more well known, like a Coinbase. Right. Um, and you just you set up your bank account, and there's something called a a KYC. It's a know your customer. This has been around since I believe the financial crisis as well. It's essentially mm-hmm. a way for them to verify that you're a real person, right? So just in the way that you would open up a bank account at Chase, they want to know, like, what's your social security number? You know, send us your ID, whatever. They just want to ensure that you're a human being. And um, and so once that process goes through, I think it takes like three to five days, then your account is set up and you can withdraw funds from your bank account and send it to um, Coinbase to, say, purchase
1: Bitcoin. Okay. Now you mentioned, I don't even remember the names, but are there other... <laughs> Bitcoin, other coins that aren't Bitcoin. Um, And so it's just more of more forms of currency that are, I guess, are they considered Bitcoins or what are they considered then?
0: No. So there are thousands of cryptocurrencies.
1: Cryptocurrencies. Okay. Yeah.
0: Thousands of cryptocurrencies and, you know, Currency in general is just moving in a digital direction. You might have heard of the central banks thinking about digital currencies. I think yeah. we're about to see something called the Fed Coin pretty soon, which is managed and controlled again by the central bank. Yeah. Um, we're going to see it in countries like China, and you know, countries in Europe are talking about it. But no, there are lots of different cryptocurrencies, all of which uh, are programmed very differently. They all have different monetary policies. Um, but Bitcoin is its own entity. It is, um, you know, in my opinion, it is the only coin that has real legs. Um, I like the fact that there are only going to be 21 million. It has a 12 year history and it's backed up by basically this supercomputer, if you will, supercomputer power of. of thousands of computers around the world that are securing the network and truly ensuring that it's decentralized. So most of the other coins that are out there, cryptocurrencies, are they're centralized, just like our banking system in the US. So it's really just kind of choosing between a decentralized system versus a centralized system.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I heard on the news about some guy who forgot his password. There was like 10 attempts and he was on yeah. number eight and it was Valued at his, his portfolio was valued, And I don't know if they call it a portfolio, but he basically had $250 million worth of Bitcoin. You, you know the story, you're shaking your head. Yes. And I thought he didn't even seem that bothered by it. I think I would be a little <laughs> bummed out if I couldn't remember how to access my $250 million worth of Bitcoin.
0: Oh yes and I believe that as cryptocurrencies grow in popularity that there are going to be more and more stories and issues that have to do with exactly that in terms of safe custody because that is really the big difference. Um, you know you have to remember your key your password and and if it's all digital then that you know you're gonna have to safely store that somewhere whether it's in your brain or on a hard drive or something is it fireproof I mean those are kind of the things that you're going to have to think about in the future if, if the world moves in this direction but i think that there's something really exciting about the idea of you know potentially just a uniform universal currency for the entire globe where you could transact with someone with no no fees no exchanges from one currency to the other you literally could just send one you know a bitcoin from your phone to someone else's phone around the globe um, it's pretty much instantaneous and um, and again, it's not under the control of any authority or government. I think that there's something so freeing about that. Um, and just the fact that it can never be inflated. The monetary policy can't be changed from 21 million coins. So, you know, right now is a really interesting value proposition for Bitcoin because we're in a pandemic where every single country is printing so, so, so much money. And the value of the US dollar has been eroded over the past yeah. several decades so much that you know, it really does, it should cause people to sit there and think, what is my money worth in the bank? And where am I putting my money so that I can have value in the future? And, and how do I save? And where am I investing? And what's safe? So um, I, I think Bitcoin is just a great thing that makes people think about their savings and their future.
1: Yeah. Now there's a part of me because I've not bought into it or adopted it or researched this enough. And, you know, you're so excited about it. But then there's the skeptic in me going, what if it's a Ponzi scheme? What if, you know, like you've put this money in and at some point somebody decides to pull the plug on it? Nobody knows who the originator is or, you know, who's controlling this. You just know how to get your money in and out right now. But what if that changed? What if, you know, Something I don't know got shut down all of a sudden. Then what? Where does where's your money and how do you get to it? I mean, that could happen with a bank, I guess. In theory, that really could just happen any with any of your money. But it's, yeah, it's what you know versus what you don't know, and I don't understand this enough to know that I would trust it.
0: Yeah, no, I understand that there's definitely a, a hurdle for some people because it's so new and it does seem like this kind of fringe. I don't know version of money. Uh, that's not backed up because we we find some sort of safety right in the idea of oh well, my money's in chase, so it's safe chase is right. safe right um, but really, when you think about it, the the hacking narrative is it's so false in the sense that when you have a system that's decentralized, you you literally have um, computer systems around the world that are running the Bitcoin software um, and so I think it's really important right now to talk about blockchain and sort yes. of explain that. Yes. So that it- I have that
1: on my list to ask you what that is. Yeah.
0: Think of blockchain. This is the simplest way to explain blockchain. Blockchain is a um, a digital public ledger. So this person has this much Bitcoin and it's going to this location. It's just a list of transactions. Now, this public ledger is broadcast out to every single computer on the Bitcoin network. and now that we're 12 years in, there are literally thousands of computers around the world that are on the Bitcoin network. Okay. So they have a simultaneous copy of this digital ledger and Bitcoin miners. That's, it's kind of a funny term, right? You're, you're mining Bitcoin. What does that mean? Well, the computers that are mining Bitcoin are just responsible for verifying these transactions. So, as someone makes an exchange via Bitcoin, one Bitcoin is sent over here. There is a, there are computers that are verifying that that transaction happened, that one wallet you know subtracted this much, another wallet gained that much, and they're adding these transactions to the ledger. And that ledger is once again just simultaneously synchronized around the world. So if you attack you know computers here in China. Well, you might shut down those computers, but you still have them broadcasting in Nigeria, the U.S., and France. You can't simultaneously hack the entire system. That's yeah. what's, that's why it's it, it's so powerful in the sense that it's truly decentralized. And when you think of um, something like Visa, right? I mean, how many times have you had to maybe order a new credit card or some, you know, some funny transaction comes up on your account and you're like, I didn't purchase that. Hello, Visa. Can you please cancel it and send me so a new true. card? Yeah. Well, in the 12 years that Bitcoin has been in existence, there has been absolutely no, absolutely zero fraudulent transactions on the blockchain. Wow. That is how powerfully strong it is. And so I think it's so interesting when that narrative trickles into the media of, oh well, this is used, you know, nefariously or it's gonna be hacked. Well, that tells me immediately that someone hasn't really studied and understood Bitcoin because um, you can't just hack Bitcoin. It hasn't happened. The amount of money that it would take to create a mining operation today, I mean, literally would take billions of dollars to create some of these computers that go ahead and verify the transactions. So if you would put that money up as an investment only to hack it to, you know, ruin the price, then you would just be losing all of your money, right? Like, I mean, there's literally not even an incentive to hack because it would be so expensive to try to hack it. And you'd have all these other computers in the network immediately there to catch it. Um, so, and, and and again, like as far as the nefarious activity, cartels and organized crime groups, they're using the U S dollar, they're using cash um, if they were to use something like Bitcoin, those transactions, again, are going to go onto the ledger. And potentially wow. someone who's very good at you know accounting forensics could go in there and try to figure out how much was sp- sent or spent. So um, I, I just think that those narratives are not very well-informed and they shouldn't be trickling out into the mainstream so quickly and easily without adding that other side to it and adding the history and the context, because it truly is such like a, it's referred to as an incorruptible system. I mean, as of right now, 12 years in, it has not been corrupted or hacked.
1: Wow. I know there's all these ransomware things going on and that could be your bank, right? And then what? If you don't have a digital record of how much you had in, could that create issues? Now, when you log in, can you see exactly how much you own? Do you have like a printout of that, like any sort of documentation?
0: Yeah, it literally looks just the way that it would if you logged into your bank account. Um, So it tells you how many uh, Bitcoins you have and what the current, you know, the the day's value is, and you also have a nice little chart. Like at my chart is, you know, starting in twenty seventeen, like nothing, nothing, nothing. Whoop.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um, and I and there's something so exciting about it, Michelle, because you know. I, have always been a really big saver. I come from an immigrant family. I'm an immigrant. Um, and so saving has always been really important to me. And you put your money away in the bank and you earn what 0.001% interest at this point. Meanwhile, inflation is increasing and you just, you're literally, you're losing money. Um, and then what else could you do? Okay. Well, you could put it in the stock market, but there are so many of these overvalued companies, zombie zombie companies that have no revenue or you know real profits but they're worth x amount of money and they're they're going up and down a little bit um you could put your money into bonds but the yield is so low right now or you could put your money into bitcoin and the average return has been about 200% every year
1: wow so do you get tempted to cash out or you sound like you're in it for the long term like you want to ride this thing through and see where it goes right
0: I am one of those people that are referred to as hodlers, hodl, hold on for dear life. Some people say it stands for, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold, uh, I'm going to hold and just hope that it keeps going up. And I truly do believe that it will, um, I really became I think convinced there was like a transition for me where I learned about Bitcoin. I was curious about it. I didn't really understand it, but I was curious enough to buy in a little bit. Yeah. And then really my life changed when I read this book, it's called the bit. Oh, it's kind of going in and out. It's uh, okay. It's called the bit. Oh, here it is. It's yeah. called the Bitcoin standard. I'm actually yeah. going to be interviewing the author on my uh, podcast really soon. It's by yeah. an economist uh, named safe moose. Um, and it is it's kind of funny that it's called the Bitcoin standard because it should just be called the history of money. Uh, it's It's eight or nine chapters worth of just taking it all the way back to what is money, how did we transact from the beginning of civilization you know starting with rocks and beads and um, stones and seashells all the way to how the central bank was formed and where we're at today in terms of our monetary policy. And it is just such a fascinating, Book that that teaches you just fundamental economics and what it means when the government prints money and expands the money supply, and it that is truly what got me thinking. Wow, if we had a a currency um, and potentially a future global reserve asset that couldn't be inflated or manipulated by any party or any authority, how would our lives look? You know, if you could put your money in the bank and you don't have to worry that the value is going to be eroded like how much more could you plan for the future how mm. much more could you think about like your family and and not worry so much right like i think that just even in the last 10 years there's so much worry in everyday life like can i afford this The price of this is going up oh my gosh we see homelessness and like yet we're pouring a billion dollars into the problem every year and yet 300% increase in homelessness well clearly there's something wrong with the system that we're in. If you know a basic, just hardworking family can't necessarily afford college and a nice vacation every year and a home without going into massive debt. And Bitcoin represents, for so many people who believe in it, hope in restoring a sound money that can't be manipulated and inflated so that you could put it away in the bank and have it as a savings technology that grows in value without you needing to stress.
1: Wow. Well, it's so interesting. Now, how have you used it or how, does some, how can somebody use it? So you mentioned some countries are trying to ban it. Some countries are adopting it now. Um, tell us more about how it's being used in the world to your, to your knowledge.
0: Yeah, so people definitely can transact in it. Like right now, um, I'm sure you might have heard the news that El Salvador is the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal yeah. tender. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've had you know actually friends and people who I've met, they've they've gone down there and literally you use an app and you transact in it. You scan what essentially looks like a QR code, and you can send Bitcoin from your wallet to the merchant's wallet, and you pay for something like. A coconut, you know, with, uh, with Bitcoin. A fraction
1: of a Bitcoin, though, because mm-hmm. if it's at $40,000 yeah. per Bitcoin, but does yeah. yours hold the value that, no, it goes up like a stock? So if you exactly. bought it for $100, it's now worth whatever the current Correct. value is. Okay.
0: Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and there are businesses here in the US that are starting to accept Bitcoin. Um, so, for example, I did a story for Spectrum News a couple of weeks ago where Um, there's a burger restaurant in Newport beach and the owners are their first generation family from Greece. And the, the father and son really got into Bitcoin and decided to figure out how to accept it. So they, Kind of updated their um, their electronic payment system, and they made it so that you could literally hold up your phone with a with an app, um, and you could pay with Bitcoin for your burger. Um, and so, and it was funny because when I interviewed him, he started this back at the beginning of the year, and within two months, he made you know like twenty percent uh, his the money that he made on the burgers appreciated in value like twenty percent because Bitcoin was going up and up. But on the downside, it also fell down. So, you know, you have to, you have to be okay with the volatility for sure right now with Bitcoin. But you can there's so many more apps that are being created so that you can transact easily. But Bitcoiners for the most part really just wanna hold their Bitcoin because they believe, they truly believe that it will um, continue to increase in value. And they don't want to spend it. They want to stack as many stats as possible and not spend them. And there are people out there who are predicting, you know, really crazy high uh, values for the future in terms of Bitcoin. Um, there's something called the stock to flow model. And I interviewed mm-hmm. the person who created it. He is a um, Dutch investor and um, he created this model based on uh, Bitcoin scarcity. So basically he took the current circulation of Bitcoin, how many are in existence, and he compared it with mathematics and a mathematical equation to how many are being created each cycle every four years. Yeah, And he basically plotted out the, po- the price points and everyone loves the model so much in Bitcoin because he did this model at the height of the... Um, bear market in 2019. We had a bear market and he plotted it all the way back to the creation solely based on number of Bitcoins and how they're, you know, they're being minted in the market. And it literally, the price followed it almost on the line, like with very little standard deviation. I mean, it, it looks almost like it's predicting the price. And so he says that the price of Bitcoin in 2024 will be somewhere between 100,000 and 288,000 per coin based on his analysis. Um, So yeah, people want to hold on. If you have something that's going to be worth, you know, potentially $100,000 per coin, people want to hold on to it.
1: Especially I think if you bought in early, like I have a friend, husband and wife, and the husband's really into it. And uh, he's like, Michelle, just buy like $100 worth or $1,000. Just do it and just hold on to it and don't think about it. He's like, you have to get in. I mean, he's so into it. And um, I was like, I really need to understand this and the whole NFT thing. I mean, there's all this digital stuff happening without, when you can't hold it and see it, there's, you know, a part of you, but the fact that you can cash it out and actually have cash in your hands is great. It's just, again, who's behind there kind of controlling all this stuff. It's just...
0: Yeah. So in this case, literally no one is controlling it. Um, but I think, you know, I I I really just equate it to today. I know that we have cash. We technically believe in like, okay, the money that we have in the bank, I can pull it out and it's yeah. physical cash. But like yeah. we really don't transact in cash anymore, no. right? Like, I mean, very rarely. I true. It, it's super rare that I even have a couple bucks on me. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Everything is in this account with a certain amount of You know numbers and zeros, and um, and the same with stocks. I mean, you can't really you can't really touch or hold like your Apple stock. You know, it's just kind of a value that you have in an account. And so I think that the more that people kind of let go, and I think your friend is right in the sense that you should look at Bitcoin if you decide to invest in it in a savings technology that you don't stress about every single day. You literally you have it, you have it in a certain account. And you don't think about it and come back to it after a year, five years, and just look at how much it's appreciated and then look at how much your U.S. dollar has depreciated in value. Um, I mean, I was literally looking at the CPI calculator before because I'm sure... You're aware, your listeners are aware that everyone's talking about that gross I word, inflation, right? And the Fed is saying that it's transitory. There are a lot of people out there saying, well, no, it's not transitory. But if you just go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is our government actually saying right there with a calculator, how much your $100 is worth today versus 10 years ago versus 20 versus you could all go all the way back to like early 1900s. Literally, I just plugged in the number today. One hundred dollars, as of now, twenty twenty-one, is worth the same. Has the same purchasing power as twenty-nine dollars in nineteen eighty. Wow! And if you go back, you know, it's like we're literally losing the value of our money every single day.
1: Yeah. No, there's no debating that at all. For sure, that's the case. Do you know about the Winklevoss brothers and their contribution to it? I mean, at what point did this kind of get more legitimate where people were like starting to pay attention? Was it because of people like them or Elon Musk or, you know, when did it start like going from being flat, like you described it to just starting to take off?
0: Yeah, so um, Bitcoin's had a series of bull and bear markets, just like the stock market. Um, it's had it's had crashes. I mean, when I went into it, there was a really big crash back in twenty seventeen. Um, so it's always had kind of runs up, melt ups, if you will, and then it swings back down. But then again, you you. Zoom out, and over the long term, it just yeah. keeps going up and up and yeah. up. Mm-hmm. But I would say for sure, in the last couple of years, there have been some really big people within the investment world who have gotten in, who have I think legitimized it and spread yeah. awareness. Um, a lot of people do trust, you know, tech giants like the Winkle, the Winkle Vi. I don't
1: know uh, if I'm pronouncing their name correctly, but yes, yeah,
0: Tyler and Cameron Winkle um, Boss. Yeah, they were yeah. actually speakers at the Bitcoin conference. They've been in it for a while, and they actually created their own exchange. It's called Gemini. So mm-hmm. right now, again, you can create what's a, essentially a bank account with Gemini and you can purchase Bitcoin through them. You can also purchase a couple of other coins. Um, and, um, and then there have also been people like, I don't, I'm not sure if you heard of the name Michael Saylor. Michael Saylor is, I think, the longest-running tech CEO. Um, he has a company called MicroStrategy. And um, he decided to, he was the first company, essentially, to adopt the Bitcoin standard, which is essentially putting Bitcoin on the balance sheet and transferring their reserves into Bitcoin. So mm. I think his company right now controls over 100,000 Bitcoins. And they've mm. been purchasing it at a range of prices all the way back. Uh, they started last year, so back you know, when it was a couple tens of thousands all the way up into the highs. I mean, he was buying some coins at 50,000 something. um, And he was just issuing convertible notes last week to to purchase more. And he really envisions a future. Um, He's done really fascinating interviews where he envisions the future where the US dollar is still the global reserve currency and the US dollar still exists, but it is backed. It is backed by the reserves in Bitcoin. So it sort of runs on the rails of Bitcoin. He sees the two kind of being... Um, going hand in hand where we no longer back our money by gold, um, but we back it by Bitcoin. And as a store of value, it allows the dollar to actually be stronger and we can still transact in the way that we always did. So he also believes that in the future, people will be able to borrow against Bitcoin. And um, he's so fascinating to listen to because he's so passionate about it. I mean, he literally describes a world where Um, let's say you borrow against your Bitcoin, right? And you borrow $50,000. The Bitcoin's worth of 50,000. You borrow 50,000 against it. But all of a sudden next year, the Bitcoin's worth $100,000. Well, now you don't even have to pay it back because it's worth, Wow. even more. So, I mean, I don't know if we'll get to that place. We're a long way from there, but yes. it's, it's truly interesting to hear how passionate people are about it in the space. These big CEOs getting into it. Uh, Jack Dorsey was at the Bitcoin conference. He's an advocate of Bitcoin. Um, really big former hedge fund managers have all gone into this space. Companies are starting to add it to their balance sheets. Um, Ray Dalio turned around on it. He believes you know in Bitcoin now. And- um, yeah. You know, Fidelity, Uh, there's there's more and more companies that are getting into it and we're going to need more in order for there to be mass adoption. So it's going to be interesting what happens in the next, you know, certainly in the next five years as more companies start to say, well, I don't know if I want to be holding U.S. dollars anymore because the value has been eroded so much. Uh, so will they go into Bitcoin? Will they not? Um, certainly, Elon Musk was a big was a big market mover uh, in both directions when he announced for his company. And I do want what to. What did remind- he
1: announce? Can you tell people what he announced specifically?
0: Yes. Yeah. So many months back, uh, last year, he announced that he was purchasing Bitcoin, that Tesla was buying Bitcoin, that it was going to accept Bitcoin. And the price really like reflected that decision. Yeah. Um, And he has like, I think 56 million followers on Twitter. So he has a really big following. People trust him. And then the market did take a very big dip all around the time where he started to say he's no longer sure about Bitcoin because of the, the climate argument, the energy argument. Um, but now he's starting to come back around. He's saying as soon as the miners prove that it's 50% renewable energy, he's going to start accepting Bitcoin again. So it's like, it's really interesting to see one person having a bit of an impact on the price um, and, and sort of maybe not even the price, but just like the sentiment around it, like where people think, oh, well, Elon Musk said it's, a, it's, it's got a climate issue. I'm scared of it. I don't want to touch something like that. Um, it, it, one person can actually you know, impact sentiment, which it, for better or worse, has. Uh, we've definitely seen that in the last,
1: last couple of months. Can you um, tell us what a miner is again?
0: Yeah. So think of a miner as like a an accountant, essentially. So a uh, Bitcoin miner is a computer that validates the transactions on the ledger. So um, they do a ton of computing work. A ton of computing work goes into these verifications to make sure that they're legitimate, and that's essentially what mining is. And when you put up that kind of computing power, you're rewarded with Bitcoin. So if you validate these transactions, you're adding essentially a block of transactions to the ledger, you're Mm -hmm. adding it to that blockchain. Um, you're paid out on a schedule a certain amount of Bitcoins. And every four years, the amount of Bitcoins that you get as a reward is cut in half. Wow. So again, it just adds to that scarcity where each four, every four years, as Bitcoin is worth more, you're getting less as a return uh, until they say that the last Bitcoin will be mined in 2140. So none of us will be around for that. Oh my goodness, they <laughs> think,
1: okay, all right. So um, from the conference, any key takeaways where you're like, well, that's interesting in terms of forecast? Fasting or whatever, what did, what did you take away from that? And did, were you really one of the only like 10 women there? Were you joking?
0: <laughs> you know, I really do. There really needs to be more women in the space. And it's funny. Cause I asked some of the men about that and they said, really, there were a lot of women at this conference. And I go, where are they? I will, they? <laughs> I, will t- I will tell you the one thing that was proof that there were not a lot of women there. If you went to any bathroom inside the Bitcoin conference, no line for the women. You could just walk straight in, all the stalls were empty. And for the men, it would like loop around the corner.
1: (laughs) Hilarious. That is a sign that there weren't that many women because we know how it usually is.
0: Yes. Yes. It was kind of of payback. It was kind of funny. Um, So I definitely think the message needs to go across to more women because they carry so much spending power in the US. We really do. We have so much influence in terms of how uh, families spend or save money. Um, and, and I think it's maybe there's like a hurdle of, it's so, it's so techie or it feels so techy. It feels like they you know, there's like a group and it's a boys club and it's really hard to kind of learn some of the technology behind it, but it's really not. And don't, you know, people shouldn't think that they need to know exactly how Bitcoin works. It's like, do you know how an engine works? Not necessarily, but do you drive a car? Right. yeah like you don't need to have to be able to put together an engine to right. know if you want to drive on the highway in a car right right so people need to remember that that there's a certain level where it's great to understand the fundamental technology, but you also don't need to get that deep and you know become a minor um but I would say that the biggest takeaway for me was um i just it was really nice to hear all the panels um just hearing like minded people who just really want to return a sense of Um, income and savings equality to Mm. people in this country. Like that That for me was the biggest message. And the thing that resonated with me most is the idea that money shouldn't be pooled in the hands of the few and the powerful and the connected. It should, like we should all be able to, you know, have a job and afford a a life for our families and put money away somewhere and not worry that the money's going to be evaporated. Um, And so it was just kind of hearing that message and hearing just about the risks of having um, a monetary system that could be so easily manipulated and corrupted, um, and and money could so easily be printed, and again, like it just reinforces that notion that people people should really study the concept of money printing and what it is because it's not just there's no free lunch. Just you know us getting a twelve hundred dollar check in the mail that might be great. And that might be super exciting, but someone's going to pay for that somewhere. And when the fed is printing money, it's actually just making it It's essentially handing a lot of money that it created out of thin air to banks to lend out. And it's mostly just staying within large corporations and law, you know, people who have a ton of money. Um, and I don't know if you saw the report, I think Washington, um, the Washington Post or Wall Street Journal put it out that BlackRock is buying up all these residential homes. They're paying 50% over asking price. They're borrowing with, borrowing with cheap federal dollars. Mm-hmm. And then if they need a bailout, guess what? The government's going to step in. They're not going to bail out the average Joe. They're going to bail out these banks. And, Unbelievable. You know- Companies and so it's really I we're we're seeing this we're seeing it right now in the pandemic the rich are getting richer the poor are getting poorer. Um, and I really think that people need to take control of their finances and their investments and and just gain knowledge about how the economy works and that's what Bitcoin has really done for me like I'm not so much an advocate where I'm saying everyone buy Bitcoin like do, you know put your everything into Bitcoin no for me it's like there, there's something wrong with the system that we're in. Your money is being devalued. It's, um, controlled by a small amount of people and you should take control of your financial future. Learn about it. Learn what the economic system in our country is. Learn what money printing is. Learn what Keynesian economics versus Austrian economics is. And then, and then maybe you will find incentive to put your money in something that is trying to be sound, hard money that's not easily you know, corrupted. Um, so that's what I'm super passionate about. That's what Bitcoin's done for me.
1: I love it. I love your passion around it. And did that book do that for you in terms of the education of, on economics and stuff? Is that okay? So that is, yes. I'll yeah. link that in the show notes, that one.
0: I really think everyone should read this book. Um, again, like you don't, ha- it, it doesn't even talk about Bitcoin that much. So it's funny that it's called the Bitcoin Standard. It's yeah. truly, it's truly a history of money. It's a history of the central banking system. It's a history. You know, it t- it talks about how the Great Depression started. Um, it gives you a sense of you know what it means to save and how our lives change when we have a, a money that we can hold on to and know that the value is not going to be eroded. Um, the author is a really big fan of talking about the years under the gold standard and how many great things were created by you know human society during that time. And he lists off all these really interesting examples because the gold mm-hmm. standard was the last time that we really had money that was backed up by something physical that couldn't yes. just be easily cr- recreated. right? right. Um, and it was in just the last 60 years that we have this central bank run system and we have this very, um, manipulated money supply. And he talks about in history, like what happened to the Roman empire when the money was debased, what happened to this civilization when money was debased. And it just really causes you to think like, whoa, oh my gosh, how much is my money worth? Like, am I saving or am I spending a lot on, am I going into debt a lot? Am I taking out a lot of loans? Um, And then literally the last two chapters or so, he explains what Bitcoin is, how it works. He never once says, go buy it. He says, you know, make the decision for yourself. But it is a truly fascinating book about the history of money and Mm. a simple look at economy.
1: I'm totally going to check that out. Now, um, I have to ask, what is Dogecoin? (laughs)
0: Is Does that another
1: coin- cryptocurrency?
0: Yeah, so it's it's one of the altcoins. Um, it's speculative. You know, that's what I truly... I, I think that people have turned away from Bitcoin even in the last couple of months because they do see it as so expensive. And they yeah. see that people are kind of, there's like this glimmery shimmer in their eye at the idea of making quick money, right? So like you see something that's worth a penny. Well, Bitcoin was worth a penny once and now it's worth 50,000. So what if I hit the jackpot? But it's literally gambling. Like mm-hmm. I, I I, don't see, I see Bitcoin as smart saving, like you're yeah. putting money in and you're saving. These other altcoins to me are just speculative bubbles. And again, they're backed up by systems that are centralized. So, literally, the creator ah, of Dogecoin.
1: Okay. Yeah, so, the
0: creator of Dogecoin could go in there and they can say, oh, today there's 10,000 Dogecoin. Tomorrow, there's 500 million Dogecoin. And, you know, it's just, it's uh. not a Sure, you can. People have made some quick money. Like I think you know, there were articles out there where if you put your stimulus check into Dogecoin, you would have turned twelve hundred dollars into like three hundred thousand. Okay, <laughs> when it went up or whatever. But the people need to be very, very careful because there are literally anyone today with cryptography background could create a coin. They could call it a whatever coin. They could call sure. it the you know, the lemon coin. And it's a bubble. It's it's a scary bubble. Um, and you don't know who's controlling it and what their agenda is. And I just really caution people because it's essentially gambling.
1: Okay. And it's centralized. It's not like the way Bitcoin no. is established. Now, when you were starting out, I'm just wondering, is there any question I didn't ask you today that you had when you were looking into it or anything you think that's worth mentioning that people should be aware of or you know, would help them with understanding what this is all about. If they're like me, who's, you know, just starting it just like you were three years, more than three years ago now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I think you asked really great questions. I do think that, you know, educating yourself just about, um, about what, you know um, what the blockchain is so that people understand that it's not just like imaginary money. There's this ledger out there that's being reinforced by thousands of computers. And that is essentially protecting the network every single day, all over the world, all in countries literally just decentralized around the planet. So uh, it's not just something that someone could go in and turn, you can't turn off Bitcoin. Like it, and, and by the way, you know, on a Sunday, you can't go to your bank, but you can log on to Bitcoin and you can transact easily. Um, you can't purchase a stock, but you can go on and you can transact in Bitcoin. Um, interesting. Uh,
1: so it's I would just. There seven days a week, 24 7. 24 okay. Yeah. Okay. That's
0: interesting. Um, yep. So I would just, I would really just urge people to just kind of learn about. um, Really learn about money, like learn about the economy and how things are are being created and manipulated. And if you believe that your dollar is going to be worth more than Bitcoin, then I think read a little bit more because um, truly this the track record of the value of the U.S. dollar versus Bitcoin speaks for itself. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to create the podcast that I did. Yeah. um, Is because there are some really smart minds in this space. Um, They're not the leaders of some Ponzi scheme, they have so much skin in the game. They believe that this could create a, a more sound, economy and more equality for people. And, um, they they have resources. They've been writing articles for the past several years and they've been writing books and they want to help people understand it. And so I've had the, the honor of interviewing some of the biggest names in the space. A lot of them were like headlining speakers at the conference and they've, they're all so passionate about it. And again, at the root of what they're passionate about is just financial freedom individual sovereignty, the return of sound money, the idea of being able to save for the future, the idea of equality um, and not something controlled by just the elite. Uh, so it, it's just a really, it's a great community. Uh, people are very nice and welcoming and friendly. And I just encourage people to learn about it and then, and then just make a decision that's right for you. I, at the end of the day, no one, if you want to leave all your money in stocks, no one's going to, you know, tell you what to do. If you want to that's put all right. your money in gold, that's your right. Um, But I really do urge people to just take a look at Bitcoin and consider it.
1: Yeah. And that was the intention of this interview is just to get education, just to be aware because everyone's talking about it. And if it's now at $40,000, mm-hmm. is it? How would you describe $40,000 worth of yes. one Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. So if we're equating it to dollars um, and it could potentially be going up and it's going to be mined by what did you say in another 131 years or whatever it was uh or what was it 2131 or something like that i mean it's going to be around for a while we should be aware you should at least be aware for sure yeah and so do your homework yeah yeah so
0: satoshi the way he programmed bitcoin um yeah was that, yeah, the last coin would be mined in 2140. So 2140, I got a while ago, but yeah, only 21 literally. I mean, that's, what's so cool about it is, do you even know how many U S dollars are in existence? Do we know, do we, how can we like, uh, you know, calculate that this is something where literally there will only be 21 million. We can calculate it. We have this digital ledger, um, And I think it's just, it's really an exciting time to to be around. And I think more people started to understand and learn about Bitcoin because of the pandemic and because of the market crash that we saw, followed by the money printing, followed by the meme stocks and the AMC GameStop whole thing. You know, people are at home starting to trade options and all that, but it's a really great time to learn about Bitcoin, to really take control of your money and, um, and protect yourself, protect your family. And, um, there are so many resources out there and, and, and everyone should make the right decision for themselves. But I will tell you, I'm very happy that I invested in Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. And are you still buying in though, like a fraction of, you still are, are you still making? I have exchange?
0: a, I have a weekly deposit that I make just like I do with the 401k. So in the same way that, you know, a portion of my paycheck goes to my 401k, a portion goes to whatever, I have a portion of my paycheck that goes
1: straight into Bitcoin. Wow. This has been so interesting. If people want to listen to your podcast, learn more about you, Natalie, where do I direct them?
0: Yeah, so um, my podcast is available anywhere you get podcasts. So Apple, Google Play, Spotify. Um, It's also on YouTube for people that can access those platforms. And then, you know, if you have guest suggestions or questions to ask my guests, you can always reach out to me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Nat Brunel and Instagram at Natalie Brunel.
1: Loved this conversation. It's so fascinating. And I'm going to pick up that book and link it in the show notes. And I'll link Coin Stories, which is your podcast on there as well. This has been so fun. So great to connect with you about this.